Did your favorite NFL team win the Super Bowl? No? Then the NFL Draft is your Super Bowl. I'm Danny Heifetz, and from now until the draft, we are turning our fantasy football show feed into the Ringer NFL Draft Show. Every Tuesday and Thursday, we talk about the top players and most important storylines for the NFL Draft. So join us on the Ringer NFL Draft Show. It's the Ringer Gambling Show, presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now, and FanDuel is the best place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back, and better than ever for the NBA playoffs on FanDuel. Find what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like 3-Minute Markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming, Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus, 18 plus, and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 100Gambler. Visit rg-help.com. All right, like Arsenal throwing away another two-goal lead, Paul. We are back. This is the Ringer Soccer Gambling Show. I'm Steve Shrew. He's always joined by the great Paul Carr media. Paul, how are we doing? Uh, USA-Mexico week. We'll get to that in a bit, although it doesn't have like kind of the same spice. But um, it does seem like, I mean, we were just talking pre-show here. We've got a couple Arsenal fans in our life who are basically resigned to the fact that they have blown this and that City are going to go on to win a title. Is that kind of where you're at now? That's what I hear from my Arsenal friends. Arsenal fan friends <laughs> as well. And it's funny because, yeah, they're still in first place, but that guillotine is just hanging over, just waiting for it to fall. And it's, you know, it's kind of dropped a couple notches the last couple of weeks. And it's not there yet, but yeah, it is funny. You have a four point lead and you feel like you got no shot at winning the league. That's kind of where my Arsenal friends are at right now. It's when two draws feel like losses. I mean, yeah. the Liverpool one, I guess, is, I mean, you could excuse that. Liverpool are still, you know, talented, but. Blowing a two-goal lead to West Ham, right. who, while on paper aren't awful, have been awful right. this year right. and are certainly in the relegation mix, although I don't think they're going to be relegated. I don't think no. any of us no. think that. But, you know, and on top of that, Saka has a chance to basically ice the game right. and with, with a penalty and misses it again. again I mean, I, I was going to open the show. We had somebody point out that I didn't, I didn't have like a, you know, we're back kind of like witty thing on last week's pod. I was uh-huh. going to do just like Bukayo Saka missing a penalty like uh, we are back. I didn't want to do uh, my guy like that because uh, I do like him. He seems like a nice guy, but I mean, those are two massive penalties that my guy missed. Uh, um, one of which uh, the second one against West Ham might have been the death nail for their title hopes, but we'll see. You're right. Like, it's weird because they're up four points. You know, I know they got a game in hand and they still go to City. Like, <laughs> it just feels like it just feels like it's kind of over at this point. Well, I, I mean, mean, if you look at the betting odds really quickly, yeah. too, I, I'm going to just give them to you. I'll, exactly. I'll throw it over to you. I mean, Man City is now minus 210 and Arsenal plus 175. Last time we talked, City was minus 145 and Arsenal was about even money. So Vegas is kind of telling you that they think this thing is over, too. Right. I mean, it's, it's it starts to come down to just a lot of math here. Like when you have a five, seven point lead, you know, midpoint of the season. That's when it's it it's more of an advantage in the sense that you've kind of maybe stolen some of these points or you know you know city's better, but you've got this cushion that you have built, so you have a little margin for error. Now the margin for error has gone down. City is playing better. They still have the game in hand. So like the margin for error is basically gone, and city just doesn't look like they're gonna ever lose again. I mean, and when you've got you know 15, 20 games left, you know you're gonna drop points at some point. 
just the, the nature of a season. Like the only thing Arsenal has kind of going in its favor is the city is going to advance to the semifinals, at least in Champions League. So you've got a couple more, you know, there's going to be some tough times for City just from a scheduling standpoint. I think they have a Brighton game that still isn't scheduled yet. Uh, but yeah, you're getting down to the end of the season. It's just kind of a different animal. And not to mention just the general momentum and to a lesser extent or to a greater extent, really, the playing style, how well these teams are playing. Because City is kind of peaking and Arsenal is kind of not. Could I, and, and the other thing too is, yeah, like, you know, it's not, I, I don't think the schedule also hurts City that much. I mean, they're going to play what? This this game against Bayern, which we'll get to in a second, that is basically all but done right, and dusted. That's true. Um, you know, they, they probably don't have to sweat through that a ton. They're going to play likely Real Madrid in a two-legged affair, which, you know, it's, it's two more games and then a final, which is after the season. And then they've got, uh, I believe, the other uh, cup final as well. So like, it's mm-hmm. not like they have that many added games. I mean, Arsenal right. don't have anything else, so they're only playing for this. But I don't think it actually hurts City as much as... That's why I kind of liked City in, in the first leg, because I just thought they had to take advantage of that and kind of put this away for the Premier League title purposes, and they did mm-hmm. do that. Uh, Paul, one, one like hypothetical question I want to ask you that I was... Because, again, we talked about our Arsenal buddies, and I actually texted my Arsenal buddy this. Do you feel like... It, it just felt like all season, like, are Arsenal really going to do this? Are they really going to do this? They kind of come out of nowhere. And a lot of things have been going right. Now, I know they've had injury issues. Partey got hurt for an extended period. Obviously, Gabriel Jesus got hurt uh, as well. But do you, do you feel like this was kind of Arsenal's... I'm not saying that they can't win a title in the next couple mm-hmm. of years. I, it is obviously impossible to predict what the transfer market will be. And this is putting aside City's legal issues. But do you <laughs> kind of feel like this is Arsenal's best shot to catch City napping? Um, or do you think that, like, Arsenal can be the new Liverpool. Yeah, I mean, I kind of look at this two ways. One is, like, City is kind of having a down year. Like, I mean, so City's max points are 94, which is a ton of points. But, you know, it's not, it's down relative to what they've had, you know, a few times. Yeah, we're used to triple digits or so. Right. Yeah. So it's relatively down. So in that sense, like, big missed opportunity for Arsenal. And on their sense, so they're on pace for, so they got seven games. They could get 95 as max. I think, if I did quick math right. Um, yeah, I mean, that's a lot of points for them. Like, how many, how can they ever get back? So, if, I guess, really, I'm talking about something this is more of a missed opportunity for Arsenal because it's just a ton of points. They had so many, you know, kind of tight games they won early where everything was just going their way. They were playing well and getting results, which just doesn't always happen. So, yeah, I think anytime you get into the 90s and you have a fairly significant lead and you don't end up with a title, I think it has to be a missed opportunity because I mean it's hard. Let's look at Liverpool this year. They haven't been able to keep up anywhere close to the level they were at for the previous handful of seasons. It's hard to stay at that level. What City is doing is ridiculous. So yeah, I think missed opportunity reminds me a little. Well, I guess just in the missed opportunity sense, like Arsenal should have won the title that year that Leicester won in 2016 with oh, so yeah. few points, oh, yeah. but they <laughs> just they laid eggs all all over. Tottenham the probably should have so too. It's, it's not yeah, that extreme because. Yeah, it's not that extreme a missed opportunity, but it is a big one just because it's just like getting to a Super Bowl, getting to an AFC title game, getting to the NBA Finals. You don't know if you're going to get back in this situation, and they didn't come through, haven't come through yet. It could change when they had a great opportunity. We also always look at like these teams that you know make a jump, right? And we're like, oh well, they'll just make another jump next year. Like this is the, especially with your Arsenal young team, like right? It doesn't 
typically right. work that way. You know, usually it's kind of yeah. like an up and down sort of wavy scale. Now it can still be going up. It doesn't mean that like just because they're, you know, whatever, 20 points better this year that all of a sudden they're going to be X points better next year. Like they could still be good next year and not have the same luck and results. Not that, right. I'm not saying their season was lucky at all, but certainly they had like this momentum where it seemed like for a big portion of the season they were kind of invincible. And now it almost feels like they're just, they're kind of running out of gas at the end, which is, you know, to be expected, they've had some injuries and, you know, it's just, it's just impossible to keep up with city squad depth as well. So yep. uh, I, I kind of look at it, I go, I, I do think it's a missed opportunity too. And that's harsh on them because this isn't a team that we expected to be in the title race right. before the season even began. So like saying this is a missed opportunity for them sounds like I'm, it's kind of like a backhanded compliment, but you just, you're right. You just never know how many times you're going to get these opportunities. And it also kind of got me thinking like, all right, if Arsenal don't do it this year, are they the number one team in the next like five or so years to knock City off of this perch? And when does it even happen? Because I think I do think like I've, I've seen people write about this and I think they're right. Arsenal buying Gabby Jesus and like Zinchenko from City. I don't think City thought they were going to be like a real. They don't think they didn't think they were going to be a peer this year. So mm-hmm. City, they caught City napping in a lot of ways. And okay. I think next year they're going to be like, well, we're not going to mess around again. Like we're going to have a more fine tuned squad, you know, and again, like. I just think even the and even the top four like Newcastle is probably better next year. United probably gets better next year. Um, Liverpool, you know, is Chelsea as bad this year? No. Yeah. yeah, Liverpool will be better. I mean, who knows about Spurs? But you know, I th- again, I, there's just so many factors, and uh, Arsenal could still be a good team and still be trending upwards and not reach the same heights this year. So I guess we're kind of in agreement there that it's it's this is this was probably their best shot. Doesn't mean they don't win a title. We're not saying that in the next couple of years, but I just think this is probably you know looking back, it's, we're gonna. It's not quite the Leicester example that you brought up, but it is definitely yeah. one where you go, damn, Arsenal really kind of missed one there. Yep. Yeah, they made a big jump this year, which, you know, we wondered if they had it in them. They did. Uh, I don't know if they can do it again. They do have, and they have a fair amount of youth, which is the reason to be optimistic. But can, yeah, can they find those kind of gift signings of Zinchenko and Jesus again? Maybe, but it's tough. And, and, and making that jump from, you know, whatever, really good to, superior or however you want to define those like i think that's even harder sometimes than from like good to really good that'll be it'll be a tough thing yeah and then next year they're going to be balancing obviously the champions league as well so again all in all all things pointing to you know this 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 uh unfortunately maybe being arsenal if you disagree let us know but i don't i think i think that's kind of where i'm at uh on this discussion um speaking of the champions league all right let's get to the nitty-gritty here paul we're gonna get to some u.s stuff in a little bit obviously i mentioned they play mexico uh, a little bit later this week um, a couple of roster news things there. Um, I want to get an update on, on Gio and Pulisic. Both were in action in kind of different, totally different vibes from those two guys <laughs> uh, over the weekend. But uh, let's do let's do the Champions League. So this is the quarterfinals, second legs. And I'm just going to go in order here. But I actually think this is the most you know interesting game, Paul. It's the Milan-Napoli game, right? Oh, yeah. uh, Milan up 1-0 in the first leg at home. Obviously, that was against a Victor Oshiman less Napoli side. Now they're five and five nil on aggregate in their last two games. <laughs> One of those was a Serie A game. Both of those matchups without Oshiman, who is you know he's arguably the third best striker in the in the world right now, behind Mbappe and Haaland. Uh The tie heads to Naples. Oshiman's ready to go. Not sure if he'll be full strength, um, but there are some major major questions on the Napoli side as well. They're going to be without Kim May Jay, Kim Min Jay, excuse me, and Frank Andre Zambo and Gisa, who are two of their most important players. I think you can make in, make a case that uh, Min Jay is mm-hmm. maybe the best top five defender in the world this year. He's been sure. incredible for Napoli, and he's out with the yellow card suspension. Uh, Simeone, also their backup striker, is out. So if anything happens with Oshiman, they're in trouble. <sighs> Paul, I. I, you know me, I've been back in Napoli pretty much all season. I kind of feel like... Now, the, the market would tell you that... that Okay, so let's just go over right now. Minus 140 for Napoli right. to win at home. The tie is plus 270. And 
AC Milan plus 420 to win on the road. Where are you at on this? Because I, I kind of lean Milan. Yeah, I'm kind of, man. I guess regression has caught up with Napoli at the wrong time. Like they played well all season and they finished well all season, which is why they had a, you know, a 72 point lead in Serie A or whatever it was. They have two goals in the last four games, uh, which is below their expected goals of 4.1, which still is not good. Obviously, again, Osiman being out is a big part of that. But there's no guarantee he's going to be at full strength or can go 90 minutes. Uh, Milan's defense has been okay the last couple of months. That hasn't been like world beating, but you know they haven't surrendered more than about a, a 1.3 expected goals in more than a couple of those games since February. So yeah, I kind of feel like, I don't know if Milan has Napoli figured out. I think that's probably overstating it. But this just sets up like a classic Milan defends counters when they can or have to and, and makes Napoli, you know, it's a prove it kind of game. Like prove you can score, prove you can you know, do anything attacking. They haven't been able to in two straight games against Milan. I'm not, other than, you know, like being at home, like what's changed about those couple of games? Zosiman played, uh, has played against Milan this season. So it's not, it's not mm-hmm. the whole reason, but it's something. Um, yeah, I'm not convinced either uh, on the Napoli side. I mean, the under uh, two and a half is minus 120. The over is minus 110. I kind of lean towards a low scoring affair here. Like, I just think, you know, yep. obviously Milan got kind of like a, I don't want to say like a lucky goal, but they, you know, they, they were able to score kind of early and then just sort of fold up shop on the road there in the first, in the first leg. I kind of feel like they're not going to take any crazy chances. You mentioned they've been better defensively yeah. uh, the last couple months or so after that, like kind of disaster spell they had at the start of the new year. Did you bet on the first one, Paul? Cause I, I remember we were talking obviously last week about how you just couldn't make a bet until um, we heard right. the Oshima news. I ended up going with AC Milan or uh, yeah, I ended up going with Milan double chance under two and a half, which was about even money. So, uh, yep. you know, that's I, I might I might be on that again in the second one. I'm not I'm not exactly sure yet, but where are you at? I I did play the under two and a half at I forget the price it was like minus one thirty five or something like that last mm-hmm. week, and I think it was dropping to like minus one seventy by game time when Osiman was out and everything. So I jumped on it before his news was out just to get ahead of things. Um, I'm probably going to lean the same way whether he's playing or starting or not in this game because um, and remember these will be ninety minute bets. So, you know, if it, Napoli right. wins like 1-0 and it goes to extra time, those goals don't count. Yeah, or if it's, you know, 1-1 one, one, you get the 2-1 and extra time doesn't doesn't count for the total as well. Right. I, man, it, it just sucks because I think, <laughs> I'm going to come off as sounding like a hater here, but like Milan and Inter, if it ends up being that way in the semifinal, obviously it's cool because it's a Milan derby in a Champions League semifinal. I just don't know that those teams are that great, especially Inter. Inter, we'll get to them in a second. They've been a disaster <laughs> in Syria. So weird. So uh, recently, season. they're only... Their only win in eight games is against the ben, is against Benfica last week. Um, they've been a, they can't score. So like Napoli has been like this shining. Okay, this is the this is like the team of destiny, and they're just at the wrong time. They're losing some guys, they're losing some steam. And I just I would just if you're gonna take Milan in this game, like it's gonna suck because I imagine like <laughs> I actually think there's an interesting angle here because like Milan are probably gonna sit back. Oh, yeah. and they're gonna just try to hold on to what's theirs. Maybe nip one on the counter. Maybe they can get lucky on a set piece goal. But I actually kind of like this ball. Napoli to have six plus shots on target is plus 130. They average six shots on target in normal games this year across all competitions. And in this one, they're going to be pressing most mm. of the game. I think they're going to be peppering goals, especially if they need a goal late. Like they're just going to be ripping shots, I feel yeah. like, at the keeper. Yeah. To get plus 130 and just to have six shots on target, I think is decent. The other thing, too, is Napoli just to have a 17 shot, not even on target, just shots overall, um, which they average, by the way, in Champions right. League it's games kind of, yeah. is plus money as well, plus 105. Because I don't lean aside here a ton, like I think it could be a little bit weird, but I do know game flow wise what I think Napoli is going to do. I do kind of like both of those bets. I don't mind those. I mean, <laughs> I hate shots on goal, not so much as a bet as a stat, because you know 
what's more valuable to a team, a ball that whistles know. wide of the post or mm-hmm. a ball that's right to keep her. But that, that's kind of a philosophical uh, thing more than anything. Um, yeah, I, I don't mind. I, I kind of like the shots one, the 17 shots, because, I mean, we know how this is going to play out, right? Right? I mean, the only way it doesn't play out that way is if Napoli like, gets a super early goal. And exactly. Maybe the game, you know, maybe they just played with a stalemate for 75 minutes or something like that. Um, but other than that, I mean, yeah, Napoli's got to be on the front foot the whole time. And if Milan is bunkering, they're going to try to fire from range. Maybe they don't get on goal, but they're going to try to do something to open that defense up. So I, I would lean toward the, toward the overall shots uh, bet rather than the shots on goal, but they both seem pretty reasonable to me. Who do you think goes through? Bets aside. I think Milan gets it done some, somehow, whether it's a nil-nil, whether it's a scratch a goal out on the counter, like you said. But I, I feel like everything's going Napoli's or get, going against Napoli right now. Hate to say it, but I but I do agree. All right, let's move on to the next game on Tuesday. This is Real Madrid versus Chelsea, which you know, marquee wise, was it was a pretty sexy matchup. The first leg, yeah. not so much. Real winning two nothing at home in the first leg. In truth, it could have been worse too because Ben Chilwell gets a yep. red. I think middle of the second half, and they kind of held on there at the end. You know, it does. Kind of, we'll get to City in just a second. It does kind of feel like Real Madrid are the only thing standing in the way of Manchester City finally winning the Champions League this year. Yeah. Uh, and you know, Real in classic form, like they're just they're they're good in the Champions League. They've been kind of weird in La Liga this year. Um, I had, I, 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 it, it was a dumb bet. I still, <laughs> I still, under, I, I'll, I'll back it because I just I think it made sense at the time, and I almost kind of want to take it again. But it's the over two and a half both teams to score. I know it's stupid to take both teams to score whenever Chelsea are playing, but I almost feel better about it this time around, Paul, because Chelsea have to come out on the front foot. They have to score. Right. This is the only way that they're going to get back into the Champions League next year. I mean, they're closer to the relegation scrap than they are the top four. So, I, you know, I think Chelsea, you know, they might give up some goals on the back end, but they're going to have to score some goals here too. So I, I, again, at plus 107, I kind of like both teams to score over two and a half goals in this one. I mean, Chelsea had like the first, what, 10, 15 minutes? Like Chelsea had some opportunities. They didn't look terrible. Yeah, they should have scored. At Felix, yeah, 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 totally. They had their op- their chances. Um, and then they didn't get that. And then Real Madrid just did Real Madrid things. Uh, so, I mean, yeah, it's hard for me to recommend betting on Chelsea in any regard. Just because of how not so good they've been, yeah, yeah, that that's emotional as much as anything. I mean, they have like two expected goals in three games under Lampard, Um, and I know you know we're playing Real Madrid and Brighton, who are you know frankly two teams that are better than you are, is something, but uh, but it seems like yeah, I mean, aren't they going to at least try? I feel like if nothing else, it should look kind of like that first game where you know Chelsea ought to come out blazing in the first 10 or 15 minutes and try and get something and try and make Real Madrid sweat. And if you get burned on the counter and give up a goal later, fine. Um, I feel like that's how it ought to go. I just have a hard time placing any kind of faith in Chelsea right now. I, listen, I wouldn't blame you one bit. I mean, (laughs) I think think as a neutral, like we want to see, if Chelsea can get a goal in the first like 20, 25 minutes of the game, make this thing interesting, sure. Uh, I think Vinny Jr. is a little bit questionable too. He picked up a knock. So, you know, I don't know exactly how... I don't know if the, the Real squad will be as strong as it as it potentially could be. I think they have to feel pretty comfortable as a team that just controls games and sees games out, uh, even on the road in this one, playing in London. But just uh, the betting odds real quick. Actually, let me just do qualify for the next round. So, I mean, like, listen, Chelsea are plus, plus 760. Yes. I don't know if either of us would advocate on that. Uh, Real Madrid minus yeah. 1,400. But in the game itself, Chelsea to win at home are plus 185. The, the, the draw is plus 250. And Real Madrid to win away is plus 140. <sighs> 
I'd probably lean towards the draw. I know you like to usually see it closer to 300 here. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know that. I just think this is going to be like a classic. Maybe it's a one-one. Maybe it's I don't know. Like if, if any, I know I just said I kind of like the over uh, two and a half and both teams to score, but I could certainly see a one-one as well. Yeah, I I still lean Real Madrid just out of I mean, it's almost just bet on the Champions League magic and how obviously they're probably maybe the best team in the world on the counter. Um, Do you go draw no really bet then, it. Paul? Draw no bet, attack. Real Madrid minus 130? That's not too bad. I mean, I, I kind of like the plus 140 or so. I mean, that, that's, like, that's the right price. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't mind hedging it on the draw no bet at minus 130 either, though. I think we, because, uh, I won't yeah, even ask you, I think I mean, we both what, probably have. Yeah, I'll just say, is Chelsea going to get more than one? That seems super unlikely. And is Real Madrid going to score at least once? So, so yeah, the draw no bet makes a lot of sense too. I think we, I won't even ask you because I think we both have <laughs> Real Madrid advancing and, you know, yes. <laughs> this kind of ending any sort of hopes at Chelsea doing anything this season. But uh, you never know. I, I, as a neutral, like I said, I hope we get a goal early. I just, I yeah. can see it happening too. But I just, again, mm-hmm. Real are just too good to, to, I think, blow this kind of lead. I mean, we've just seen them time and time again under Ancelotti just, they just, they're just calm, cool, and collected more than any other club in this competition. Uh, we saw it last year, obviously, in the City game. Saw it in the, you know, PS, the PSG matchup as well. So, you know, I, I, I just don't think, I, you know, I don't think City have, um, I'm, I'm sorry, I don't think Chelsea have much of a chance at actually overturning no, this tie. No, I don't think so either. All right, let's move to another interesting matchup here. This one on Wednesday, Benfica Inter. This yeah. is one that we both got wrong, Paul. We both mm-hmm. really like Benfica coming into this one. And Inter, again, I mentioned at the top of the pod, they, their only win in their last eight games was against Benfica. Uh, if you look at, you know, the whether it's the Copa Italia or in Serie A, they haven't won in seven straight games. They cannot score. Their XG so weird. is basically through the roof without being able to score any sort of right. goals. I mean, if you look at the Lotaro Martinez, Lukaku, like all of their strikers, Dzeko, like they're just drastically underperforming their XG. But they get the 2-0 win in Portugal and head back home to Milan. I got to say, Paul, the, the Benfica money line... Plus two forty, <laughs> that seems insanely high. But is is this like a trap here? Like, are we just going to see Inter a, a classic nil nil, and they'll just advance? I have the exact same thing written down. Like Benfica two plus two forty trap. Uh, Inter's okay. So I looked at some of their numbers in the last five Serie A games. They have two goals and thirteen expected goals. Like <laughs> that's almost impossible. Uh, and then kind of on the flip side of luck in the last in the three UCL knockout games, so against Porto and Benfica. They've outscored opponents 3-0 and so conceded no goals but allowed five expected goals. So I don't know what, you know, at the Inter is both real. insanely unlucky, especially in league play, and insanely lucky in Champions League. I still kind of think Benfica is as good, maybe even better than Inter. They're going to be pressing, you know, you assume Inter is going to park the bus. Inter's counterattack, not super scary. Um, I don't know, this, this is a weird one. But that plus 240 on Benfica, that, man, I'm going to talk myself into that almost guaranteed by kickoff. And, I, you know, it might go up. I saw, Not, I've seen it like plus 250 some places, so it could get better. They also, Benfica lost uh, in the league too as well to right. Chavez. I mean, that, not not a great showing in, in what looks like, you know, a, a pretty, you know, decent starting 11 for them as well. I don't know yeah. if that's anything to look at or look forward to, or maybe they're just kind of like, again, like Napoli not hitting their stride at the right time. But the, the, the crazy thing is the draw is plus 242. Like, you can get a decent price on, on the double mm-hmm. chance here, which is, you know, it's my specialty. But yeah. again, I think my only play here, the weird thing, the the under two and a half, which I almost feel like is a lock, and it's, I mean, spoiler alert, it's going to be one of my best bets, is minus 110. I, I just don't, even if Inter score, 
I mean, that's, that's your that's your nightmare, I guess, scenario. But you still get a 1-1 and you still hit the under 2.5. Like, I just think Inter are going to, if you're looking at game script, they're going to sit back. They're, there's no need for them to really get out of their shell at all at home against a team mm-hmm. that they somewhat controlled, I guess, in the first leg uh, on the road. So I, 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 the under and over, it's interesting, 2.5 or both minus 110. I, I, I love the under 2.5 here. Yeah, I was on my, my list as well. In fact, I predicted the Saruti special was going to be under two and a half and Benfica double chance, which gets you to like plus 180. Uh, yeah. I don't, I don't know if you'll fall through. I, I, would, I don't I know would, that I will that's either. That's the Saruti stamp. Man, it is super tempting to go with that because I, I do lean Benfica. Um, and the plus 240 is super appealing because, again, a 1 0 win, like Inter's okay with that. They don't, they're fine. Totally. You know, it doesn't, doesn't matter too much at all, really, as far as getting through goes. So that's, that's super tempting. So, but I, on the whole, I lean Benfica. I just don't know if the inner defense can keep kind of holding up and, and having their luck stay here. I, I still think Benfica is as good. So I, I lean that direction. I got to kind of uh, work through exactly what I want my bet to be here. We lean Benfica, but the, the Vegas, the odds just scare us. It's, it's, it's just telling you, like you're setting yourself right. up for heartbreak, but we shall yep. see. All right, let's get to the last one here. Manchester City, Bayern, which again was probably the sexiest matchup on paper and is now the one that basically appears to be the most done. Unless you think like, City winning 3-0 in the first leg at home, going to Bayern. You know, listen, Bayern, historically, obviously we know it's not an easy place to play. Usually super talented. I've been on this for a while. This is not the Bayern team. This is not your father's Bayern team, Paul. Nope. Uh, this team is... I. They're just okay. They don't have a ton of attacking talent. I think you saw against that city. I mean, Upa Makano had an absolute disaster class uh, in the second half of that. I mean, I'm, I'm surprised they didn't pull him. He was that. He just looked that out of place in that game, and it went from one nil to three nil basically because of him. So you get, we got Sadio Mane reportedly punching Leroy Sané <laughs> in the mouth, <laughs> the mouth as well. She gets like a a massive fine. The vibes are not great in in Germany, Paul. Um, I don't think either of us think that Bayern is going to turn this around even at home. But any sort of any sort of leans you like here. Not really. Like this is, this is the hardest weird kind one. of match I think to bet for second legs. It's a three goal difference. So City, whatever they lose two nil, they don't care. Um, I don't think they will, but you know who knows. Uh, you throw in the dysfunction Byron has had. Like I want to just kind of take City to win at plus one forty, mm-hmm. or look at the under two and a half plus one thirty five. Are they just going to strangle the life out of this game? That's kind of the way I lean, but I cannot. I don't think I can emotionally handle like rooting against goals in a Byron City game that like could end three oh. two and nobody's shocked. So it's a real I hate yourself bet. Yeah. <laughs> oh gosh, I just just throw up in my mouth when I make that play. Um, I, this is probably going to be a stay away for me just because there's so many things on the table and like so you know a City two 0 win and a Byron two 0 win are the same thing as far as who's going through. It's like there's just such this range of outcomes that. I'm not sure I know what, what to do with this game. I'm probably going to end up staying away. Uh, Paul, everything you said about the over-under situation is accurate, but I kind of love the under. <laughs> I kind of love it because <laughs> I, know, I think what's going to happen... Because, <laughs> I mean, if you look at it, all right, so even if you just look at two and a half, the over is minus 188. Yeah. The under is plus 152. I, I could just see City just just absolutely icing this game out and just not really doing a ton, not letting Bayern do anything. Yeah. They're going to have a ton of the ball. Bayern don't really know what to do without the ball either. So, I, you know, again, I, you're right. Like, it's going to be a miserable, miserable watch if you have the under two and a half in this game. But I just think that price is actually pretty decent. And then if you go, like, so here, this is the Srudi special oh boy, here. Let's go. Because I, I actually don't... I, I don't think City lose this game. I don't. I, I think I think they're just going to control it, whether it's nil-nil, one-one, 
I don't think it's 2-2. I don't think it's super high scoring. I think if you go City double chance mm-hmm. and the under three and a half, I think you're at what, plus 132, I believe, on that bet. Mm-hmm. So yeah, plus 132. Again, it would suck to watch because, again, like yeah. City can just score, like, you know, make it 3 1 late or something like that. And then all of a sudden you lose the under three and a half. Mm-hmm. But I do think there is value on the under here because I just think people expect Bayern to come out guns blazing. I don't think it's going to happen. Three, this isn't a good Bayern team. They're not good offensively. City are going to just control this game. And I think ultimately City probably get a result as well. Yeah, man, you're going to talk me into this. Yeah, I'm going to have to go. I'm gonna I know it sucks. Watch, I'm telling you, it sucks. I'm going to have to right watch away. Inter Benfica and just. <laughs> <laughs> Turn off alerts for the Bayern City game and then come back at the end when it's so 4 the three or something. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, everything is, I agree with pretty much everything you said, and I still don't want to make the play, if that makes sense. All right. I mean, looking at just like the futures as well on this situation, I mean, Manchester City to win it is now minus 115, Real Madrid plus 470, Inter Milan plus 750, Napoli plus 750. You've got AC Milan still sitting there at 1,500 and then Chelsea at 3,300. Mm-hmm. Uh, it does, it, man, Paul, it does, it does really feel like this is City's year. I, I, I hate to say it. I mean, I'm, not, I'm certainly not a City fan and it is fun to have the banter of them not being able to win the Champions League. But it does feel like Real mm-hmm. Madrid is our only hope at this actually not happening. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I want to take City at only slightly better than a coin flip. But also, yeah, Real Madrid's there. Like, they've spoiled so many seasons. It's they have the devil magic. They are a Champions League, uh, whatever vampire, whatever the right monster is that you can't kill easily. But it, it sure feels like City's year. I mean, you could probably kind of make a case for somebody on the other half of the bracket getting such long odds. I feel like they're that AC long. Milan make a case yeah. for just about anybody. Yeah, Milan favorite to go through. It's weird to see. So Milan is like what roughly sixty percent to go through. And their odds are twice as high to win the title as Napoli. Like, that doesn't seem to quite add up to me. No. But, I mean, look, they know the people making the odds know what they're doing. And I get that, you know, Napoli would be a heavy favorite over Inter or Benfica. And AC Milan would probably be a coin flip at best. But that that's the one that kind of jumps off the page just because it's so much. The plus 1500, obviously, double at the plus 750 for Inter and Napoli is. I kind of like that because I think if, if it ends up being a, a Milan Derby mm-hmm. in the semifinal, I think AC Milan are going to win that. I would say it right now. I think AC Milan right. win that tie. And I think they get to the final yeah, and you can just kind of, probably, you know, basically hedge yourself. Yeah, they're not going to be a heavy underdog yeah. to enter, if at all. And you know, they'd be a favorite, obviously, against Benfica. So that seems like, like if you have a, a bet to burn or something or want to play a long shot, that seems like the one to go with. Maybe sprinkle a little on AC Milan there. You heard it here first. Uh, all right, but before we get to some of the U.S. news here, just really quickly, Chelsea and Bayern, I just want to bring this up, both obviously making somewhat controversial manager changes. I, I think for Chelsea, you could argue that like, it didn't really matter either way. They probably yeah, weren't pretty Real Madrid with Graham Potter. Do, and, I, and I think if you look at the Bayern angle, you go, okay, like Thomas Tuchel is a, is a great fit at Bayern long term. Like I understand why you make that move because you feel like he's available. Go get him if you don't like Nagelsmann. But I do, I can't help but think, Paul, that like, Nagelsmann had this team humming in the mm-hmm. Champions League. They, were, they weren't mm-hmm. so great in the actual German League, but they've been great in the Champions League. Yep. And I'm not, you know, listen, like they've, won a, they've recently won a Champions League. Like they're thinking long-term, I understand it. But I just wonder if like either of these, either of these clubs are somewhat regretting. I mean, Lampard, the problem is he's just not a good manager. Like I've Correct. seen it at, we've seen it at Chelsea. I've seen it at Everton <laughs> first, up close and personal. Um, and I, I kind of know why they had to sort of appoint him because it didn't seem like there was any other better options out there. But man, he's just not good. I wonder if either of these clubs are in the short term regretting, regretting making those decisions. 
I guess I think Bayern maybe, but it seems like the decision was made for so much uh, off the field reasons, so many off the field reasons, you know, front office conflict, et cetera, et cetera, that the people who made those decisions probably don't care. Um, and, you know, maybe City was going to run riot anyway, regardless of who the Bayern manager was. So I think Bayern maybe should strictly from a have a chance to win Champions League standpoint, but, you know, they're still probably going to win the league. Uh, and Chelsea, we talked about, you know, Lampard was a fine hire for them for where they're at because neither of us thought they have a shock to get through against Real Madrid regardless. So I feel like that's mm-hmm. just kind of a, again, a placeholder. They're probably talking to Nagelsmann or whoever it is uh, right now to try and figure it out. So I, I don't think they regret that. You know, they, they just knew that this last month or two of the season, you're just going to have to kind of sit there and take it. And he's kind of, he's you know, you know who Lampard is? He's the guy in a baseball game when you're down like 12 to 1 and you bring in your second baseman to pitch for the last inning or two and he gets, <laughs> yeah. gets shellacked. He's, he's like, look, you just yeah. got to wear this. <laughs> yeah, you just, just yeah. sorry. Like, you got to do this. Do it for the team. You know, he comes off after giving up five earned runs and two innings and three homers and everyone's like, good job. Good job. Thanks for helping us out. That's Lampard right here. That's what he's doing. And so I think that's they're a fine great, with that decision. That's a but great Byron, call. maybe not so much. Yeah. That's a great call. And it does, it does, by the way, look like, I mean, you know, you look at some of the betting markets, but it does look like Nagelsmann is kind of leaning more towards their next Real Madrid manager than he is Chelsea manager. There have been rumors that Chelsea have been looking at Luis Enrique and trying to like battle it out with Spurs. So that doesn't, it doesn't, (laughs) not that I, I actually like Luis Enrique. I just don't think that's the sexy hire that I imagine a lot of Chelsea fans are going to want with all the spending going on at the club. But, uh, but yeah, Nagelsmann certainly, if he goes to Real Madrid, that'll be really interesting because you're, you get fired from this job at Bayern. You, you probably get a better job, which there's, there are only so many jobs in the world that are better than Bayern Munich and you probably stumble into a better job, which would be really interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, we'll see. We'll kind of see how it pans out for both of those squads long term. All right, let's get to some of the U.S. men's national team stuff here. First and foremost, we got USA Mexico friendly. It's the 75th edition of this rivalry, which is set for Wednesday in Glendale, Arizona. Um, the roster was released mostly MLS guys, except for one thing. I mean, I'll, I'll let you kind of take the forward, Paul, after on some of the smaller stuff. But the, the biggest takeaway, I guess, is that Sergino mm-hmm. Dest is in the squad, even though he's still an AC Milan player, as they go through a very important part of their season. And for them to basically say, hey, we don't we don't even need you right now. Just go and play for your national team. That is about as bad of an endorsement and bad of a sign as it, you can possibly get for a player. Yep. So, I mean, your, your thoughts on that, because it just it seems like it's going to be a really, really interesting summer for our guy Dest. Boy, yeah, it's just that's it's what you said. It's the worst slap in the face or backhanded compliment, whatever you want to say, that you can have here. Um, hasn't played for Milan since January, almost three months. Barcelona has basically said, we don't want him back. You know, they were really hoping to loan him out and he'd play at Milan and, and then him. they could sell him for something. That didn't work. So, you know, they're concerned about him. I mean, Xavi has essentially said he's not in their plans and and now he's, yeah, he's not even in the shop window. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, does he go back to Netherlands? There's a rumored link to like West Ham. I'm not sure how much fire there actually was behind the smoke, I would hate but that. something like that. Hate I, that. I, I don't. Doesn't seem like a good spot for a guy who is who can't really defend to go to a you know a relatively conservative David Moyes type of team. Um, yeah, I mean, going back to Ajax or something seems like the best move purely from a like, get on the field and contribute standpoint. But does that feel like a step back? Uh, I'm not totally sure. So, yeah, he's got... It'll be interesting to see where he goes because, again, not a great defender. Does someone try to move him to a, a wing, midfield spot or something? I think that could be... you know, Or find somewhere he can play a wing back in a five back or whatever you want to call it. Uh, he's got... Yeah, just got to play, though. Got to get off the bench. He's been there for three months at Milan. That's the problem, is that 
you know, we see this with a lot of guys, not just obviously Des, but they kind of they blow up a little bit at, at a smaller club. And you know, obviously Ajax is a is a you know historically a major club, but they're certainly one of the better talent developers in the entire world. Oh, yeah. He kind of ha- he develops a reputation there. A lot of clubs want him. Bayern were interested. He ends up going to Barcelona at a really young age when the best thing for you is just to play games, like Gotta to keep play. developing. And it it does seem like he. I don't want to say he can't go back to Ajax, but it does seem like he kind of there were some bridges maybe burned there, like on the way out. Um, you know, and the the other thing too is, you know, I don't I don't think obviously Ajax have really missed him a ton. The first thing that came to my mind was if he can go somewhere. I mean, obviously Barcelona are going to try to sell him, and obviously I think an outright sale would help him and his career mm-hmm. overall. But who's going to yep. want to pay potentially right. what it would take to get him out of there? I mean, Barcelona didn't. I think they paid like twenty five million something yeah. for like that for him, which is no, which is no you know cheap price certainly. So who's going to are they going to be, re- be able to recoup that? Probably not. But my in a vacuum, my first instinct was get him to the Bundesliga, like BVB, Leipzig, like one of these teams that are pretty like offensively you know, uh, uh, dominant, right? Or at least play on the, like to play on the front foot. You know, both of these teams do play with wing backs at certain times. I just kind of feel like the German league overall fits him because nobody really defends in the German league anyway. Right. <laughs> so like, you know, if, if he could sort of like be in this up-tempo, high-paced league, you're right, playing as more of a winger wing back type. The problem is he's just not, he's not really a good defensive player at all, but he's also not really a great attacker. Like he's kind of good in the transition periods. Yeah. Like he's not a great finisher. So, you know, the, again, wing back, left, a right mid, left mid role does suit him. You know, everything I've seen from like, and again, I, I watch a lot of Serie A, but I haven't claimed to watch like all of his matches while he's there. But everything I've seen and read from Milan fans that like, they just, they want no part of him either. Mm-hmm. It's not just the team and the club. Like it's just, he's a complete liability on the defensive end. He's not a straight right back. He's made some pretty boneheaded, you know, plays. And I kind of feel like w- when your career is in flux, like you have one or two options. It's either go to Serie A or go to the Bundesliga because both of those both of those leagues love like a reclamation project. So I think, I th- but and I, I think specifically the German league kind of fits in best, but I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it seems, I feel like he's kind of a very poor man's Alfonso Davies in the sense that a defender nominally might end up better on the wing. And again, Davies is far better in pretty much everything. So this is just kind of a very rough comparison. Yep. So yeah, if he can find, you know, a, a, not Bayern, but another... Bundesliga club a notch or two down that's playing a similar wingback type of system. Seems like it could be a, a good fit for him. Um, yeah, going somewhere like pretty much anywhere in England that would have him where you're going to have to defend a ton just seems like a bad idea on everybody's part. Uh, and it's you know fairly similar on most of Spain. And I kind of think if Barcelona's given up on you, not many other Spanish clubs are going to come after you either. Yeah. So yeah, it seems like mid to Upper tier Bundesliga team seems like the best option. Um, you know, I don't know. If, don't know enough about France to say you know that could be a possibility as well. But yeah, as I always say, just got to play. Got to play somewhere. Uh, he's only twenty two, so it's not like you know he's not washed up or anything. You know, he's got a World Cup cycle or two left that he could help the U.S. So just got to get somewhere and play. I was going, I was looking back at his who scored ratings, which obviously aren't like, you know, perfect indication of how you played, but <laughs> all of his best scores came in the World Cup. They've not, they have not come as like, and it's like a pretty big jump, right? Like he's played well for the US and hasn't really played well for his club team. So, man, you're right. Like still young, but, you know, I, he, I, I'll just say this. I went on this. I would hate him to be in the Premier League, not because I'd obviously love to watch him, but I just think he, he's going to end up going to like a low to mid table team. And what are they asked to do? They're asked to defend yep. like in most of the games that they, they play in. And that's just not his strong suit. So, like, if he goes to West Ham and plays right back, nope. 
that's not going to be a situation that's going to set up for success for him. Like he's going to get exposed even more. So I, I would actually hate that. Yep, move. Me too. Um, and I doubt any major club, the top six, seven, eight club, even like a Brighton, I, I doubt I they, I doubt they bring him in just because of who he is. So, um, but there's more to this. I mean, obviously, I mentioned it was an all MLS basically uh, squad. Paul, any other kind of takeaways from you for this uh, upcoming Mexico matchup? Uh, I mean, the eternal who's the number nine question for the US. You know, I don't know that anyone in the squad is ideally an answer, but. Brennan Vasquez had had a couple of great years for FC Cincinnati, so I'm kind of interested if he can you know, make a bit of a jump and get himself in the mix for that number nine spot. Maybe not for the Nations League games coming up, but he could be your starting number nine at the Gold Cup possibly this summer if that's the way they go with the roster management. Uh, Jordan Morris has been playing lights out, eight goals in eight games for Seattle, including some of that at the number nine spot. Do they try him there? I'm not really sure. I kind of doubt it with Ferreira and Vasquez on the roster. You assume one of those guys is going to start at nine and the other one would be your late game sub but uh i don't know something to think about at least uh so yeah that's that's the question can vasquez push himself into that number nine mix and is, what what else can morris do i mean i think he's a pretty good backup winger uh for the u.s team and you know, that's just kind of where he is right now which is a, a good place to be uh, i don't know if they try him there but i'd be interested to see what what they want to do with that spot Layoff Jordan Morris. We were we were texting before the show. Like he, he gets yep. he gets an unnecessary amount of hate. Like I don't think he's great, but I also don't think he's terrible. Like most U.S. men's national team fans like to like to actually act like he is. Like he's fine. He's like as you mentioned, he's a backup winger. Like he's a backup attacker. He's good when you're down a goal. If you want to get a little bit electric, he's a pretty significant physical specimen. He's a good athlete. I I think back off Jordan Morris is basically what we're trying to say. Oh, yeah, I agree. Um, but always fun to have a good uh, even if even if the stakes are kind of low always good to have a US Mexico uh game kind of uh kind of in, in the future but a couple more things before I want to do before we get to our best bets uh, a couple quick hitters on some US players Gio Reyna scored a goal for BVB over the weekend against Stuttgart in stoppage time it was a great goal uh end up going up 3-2 only for BVB to blow the lead later in stoppage time BVB I mean they just cannot take advantage of Bayern dropping points in the German league it just seems like Bayern are going to kind of stumble their way into another title but yeah. Gio has looked really really good Paul he scored four goals in 2023 Six on the season, which is just three shy of uh, Eric Winalda's record for most goals for an American in one season in the Bundesliga. So, Gio is in—he's in great form. So all this, all the talk and all the noise. He also did like the, the plugged-in ears, like I can't hear you celebration, which I loved <laughs> for all the haters out there. You know, say what you want about—we've—we've we've talked in nauseum about like basically all the stuff with his family, but it's just good to see that it's not impacted him on the field. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, first of all, the two guys he's tied on six goals, two U.S. internationals who scored six, are Fabian Johnson and Matthew Hoppe. So there's a, yep. I don't know what that means, but just just two guys. <laughs> um, yep. My The question for Gio for me is still like durability. I think he's only started twice uh, this yeah. year or maybe it's since February. And you know, all these goals are coming off the bench, which is good. Like, you still got to play, you still got to score. Um, but the U.S., you want to get at least, you know, 60, 75, 80 minutes out of him, ideally, when we come towards Nation League or whatever the next important games he plays are. So that's the big question. You know, I mean, if he's a super sub the rest of the season for Dortmund, I'm okay with that. Just from a U.S. Mm -hmm. fan standpoint, uh, just stay healthy, keep kind of building back, and ideally maybe he's finding a stride toward the end of the season to head into those Nations League games because he was, you know, he was good against Mexico a couple years ago. They could obviously use him again. Uh, that's, yeah, just, just keep playing. Stay healthy. All right, Gio, stock up. Stock down, Christian Pulisic, he did appear for Chelsea yeah. in their 2-1 loss to Brighton over the weekend, but it kind of felt like one of those games where Lampard was just mailing it in and playing some, like, you <laughs> know, not fringe roster guys, but, you know, they kind of knew that yeah. the, the Real game is the big game for their season. They have to do that to have any hope at, obviously, being in the Champions League next season. They have to win the Champions yep. League. 
Uh, yep. He had he did have a header that hit the post. Otherwise, I thought he was pretty you know anonymous on the pitch, and you know yep. he gets subbed off. He also potentially he got away with probably a handball penalty as well in that game. I don't know that I'm reading too much into this, but w- there were some hopes that like okay Lampard's back. He certainly like Pulisic his first time around gave him a good run in. His, he had good form under Lampard the first time at Chelsea. It doesn't really appear that we're going to catch lightning in a bottle twice here. So. As much as we were talking about Sergio Dest's future and his club future, we're probably going to have that same conversation with Christian Pulisic this summer. Yeah, I I put almost no stock in anything that happens at Chelsea the rest of the season. I'm not too concerned <laughs> that it's going to get worse for Pulisic. I, mean, I guess maybe just from a, a market standpoint, if he's trying, if they're trying to sell him, but they're gonna they paid what, whatever it was, seventy two million for him. So yeah. no one's going to give him that kind of money right now. But but yeah, I mean fifteen. He had 13 touches in 55 minutes, which is a little bit below where you'd like to see uh, him be there. Yeah, doesn't bother me too much. It's just, it's really kind of a question. I haven't really thought about this. Like, who comes in as a manager and how does Pulisic fit into that system? Uh, and, and, you know, and the options run the gamut of possibilities there because they've got so many young guys, so many kind of winger types, still don't really have a, a true number nine or a, a quality number nine at least. So, yeah, I, I'm just, again, I just wanted to stay healthy. Don't get hurt. Play a little, you know, get some run out. So, I mean, it was good to see him, like, get the start at least. That Maybe Lampard does have some faith in him. But, of course, he could, you know, be right back on the bench and, and who knows what will happen next. But, yeah, again, stay healthy, play a little, don't get hurt. And I'm happy with that. I, I just don't think he can hurt his stock too much just given where Chelsea is in this kind of quagmire toward the end of the season. You're definitely right. I mean, it's again, like, doesn't mean that, you know, just because he's failing there. Plenty of plenty of attacking fa- players have failed at Chelsea over the last couple of years under multiple managers. So, you know, I, I, I don't know what to make of it. But I, I I would at this point, I think, be surprised. I mean, obviously, if you're talking about, like, what systems fit him, you know, 4-3-3 certainly as a true left winger. You know, 4-2-3-1 as, like, an attacking midfielder winger type would, would probably suit him. But I don't think there's any manager that's probably going into Chelsea and being like, all right, yeah, I'm going to, I'm like, I'm going to, you know, Pulisic a real shot after they bought Mudrick and all these other attacking players. Yeah. It doesn't look like they'll end up buying Joel Felix. He's been really up and down for them, and I imagine the price tag is too high. But still, mm-hmm. like they're going to need to add a striker. They're going to. I just. I don't know. I, I don't want to say his time is up there, but it really does kind of feel that way. And I honestly hope, just for his own sake, that he goes somewhere where he could play, whether that's on loan or who knows. Because you're right. Just like we talked about with Dest, they're not going to probably be able to recruit that seventy-two million dollar you know transfer fee. So you know the, the Chelsea loan army strikes again. I don't know. I, I kind of feel like it's going to be hard for him to get back in the mix there. And I honestly think I think that's a good thing. It's just like, all right, what is that next step? And you know, how high of a level is it? Like, what type of, what type of team are we talking about? But I have a random kind of tangent from this. Whenever I see a situation like this for an American, especially in England, it reminds me of Clint Dempsey, in the sense that, like, he went through how many managers at Fulham, and he would kind of get dropped to the bench and earn his way back into the lineup until they couldn't not play him. Kind of the same thing happened when we went to Tottenham, not for as, as many years, but a similar sort of thing. We just had this grind and desire to prove himself, and he constantly did it. And that's, it just makes that more impressive. I don't say this to like compare him to anyone else or judge any other players. I just It's more of a compliment for what Dempsey did for you know a decade or so in England of constantly reproving himself to so many different people and getting back in the lineup and scoring goals. Uh, so there's my Clint Dempsey appreciation. Clint Dempsey appreciation moment. No, it's a great it's a great point to bring up because, but I just think they're and you know this like they're obviously two completely different players in that like Dempsey yes. kind of thrived in that role, whereas Pulisic right. 
he's more of the quote unquote star boy. And, you know, he he's needs, been a front he, runner needs and, he wants to yeah. start. Right. Yeah. And I think mm-hmm. him being like the scrappy guy off the bench just isn't really his personality. Right. So whereas Dempsey, like, man, that, that's a guy like you're in a yeah. voxel with that guy. And he'll like, no matter what happens, yep. like he's going to, you, you want him in your squad. I'm not saying you don't want Pulisic in your squad, but he's kind of more of a like, if, you, if he's on your team, he's either, I mean, I guess you could use him as a super sub, but it, he, it's just, it's, I, I just say that to say that uh, Dempsey, it's, you're right. It's more of a compliment to Dempsey than anything of like right. how awesome it was to watch yeah. him just give yeah, they're not the same kind of out and fight his way week in and week out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, different yeah, backgrounds, so, different um, kinds of players. Yeah. So we shall see. He's he's another one though. Where it was like we were, as we were talking about Des not going to a lower, t- uh, lower to mid table Premier League team. I actually would like to see Pulisic go to a lower to mid table uh, table Premier League yeah. team. Like I think, you know, West Ham would be interesting. Honestly, for him, um, I've always said if Everton stay up, he'd be. I mean, Everton he would walk into the lineup every single week and be a starter. Like there's plenty of teams I think that Pulisic could play for in the mid to lower teams of the Premier League next season. And uh, and, I, and I think he would do well there. I think he'd get a run of games and get his confidence back up. I mean, everybody wants him to go to Leeds just to continue the U.S. stuff. Mm-hmm. But I think I think there are plenty of clubs that are at a high level to mid level in the Premier League that would want his services next year. So we'll have to wait and see kind of how that goes. But all right, before we get to our best bets here, Paul, one last thing: Julie Ertz signs with Angel City. You've been talking about her for oh boy. a couple of weeks here. She was obviously back with the women's national team. I don't have much to add on this, but like the Angel City have incredible jerseys. It'll be awesome to see her play again for a club side. So, Julie Ertz, congratulations to you. Yeah, she looked pretty about as good as you can in limited time against a couple games against Ireland. So, and again, she's what the U.S. needs, that kind of destroyer at the number six, more of a defensive-minded number six. They don't have a like-for-like replacement. So they needed her to play. She's got a place to play. Good for everybody and hope that she can continue to progress and make that World Cup squad better. Yep, as a, as a kid, we look ahead to next summer or this summer. With, uh, with the Women's World Cup, which would be really exciting. All right, let's get to our best bets as we do, closing out every single show. Paul, this is, I think, our first collective losing week in a while. Uh, we are both one and two. Again, the Benfica thing really, really did hurt yeah. us. <laughs> we, we were both not, not banking on Inter to pull off a result on the road there in the first tie. But you are 11 and 13 overall, down just under two uh, units. I'm basically the opposite. I'm 13 and 11. We're, uh, we're both around 500, so we're both you know sitting there pretty decent here. Let's try to turn it around. Paul, I'll, I'll let you lead it off with your first best bet. Okay, we're going to start as we were talking about Chelsea, I'm going to bet against Chelsea. I'm just going to take Real Madrid to win this game. Plus 145. I know they have okay. uh, a 2-0 lead, but again, I think Chelsea is going to get like one goal max, and I think Real Madrid will pick up a couple. You know, they're always risking a little bit lineup stuff, but Real Madrid doesn't seem to care about that. They don't have anything to play for in La Liga. This is their uh, priority. Uh, so yeah, give me Real Madrid. I just think they're better. I don't trust Chelsea. I'll take plus money, plus 145, I think it is for the win. I'm not going to make it one of my best bets, Paul, because I had it last week. But I'm I'm going to take both teams to score over two and a half plus 107 of this game. So <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna ride it. I'm gonna probably be wrong again. Obviously, fade me if you want. I don't blame you. But I will. That will be one of my bets. It's just not one of my top three best bets. Uh, my first one. I'm going to go Inter Benfica under two and a half minus 110. I just think game script. This feels like a no brainer. I think Inter are going to close up shop. Even if they give up, we talked about it. Even if they give up one goal, it's not the end of the world for them. Um, and I'm getting close to even money for that. Like, I, I, I think that's a no-brainer to me. So under two and a half into Benfica and watch it be like a barn burner. Yeah, that was my second one too. I mean, I'm still super tempted by Benfica to win at plus 240 and may end up playing it. But yeah, you can get minus 110 because I've seen that down like minus 130s or so in other places. So you get minus 110 on under two and a half, you know, an almost coin flip. I would take that too. Because again, Enter's going to button things up. Benfica's got to prove they can score. And remember, I said it already, but these are 90-minute bets. So Benfica, 
you know, gets a goal, even two goals, and gets two goals, and this goes to extra time. Nothing that happens after that counts toward your bet. Um, so yeah, under two and a half at minus one ten for me too. There we go, bam, we played. Uh, all right, my second one's going to be. This is one of those potentially I hate myself bets, but I'm going to take the oh, city gosh. double chance and the under three and a half goals at plus uh, one thirty two. I just like the price on that. Again. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's going to be low scoring. Again, I wouldn't even hate you if you went with the under two and a half, which is plus 152. But I'm going to take City to get a result because I do think, I think they're going to get a result. I really do. I, I just don't think Bayern, they, I, unless they get a, a goal early and this thing is like really on, like I just kind of think this is going to be actually a pretty boring, low scoring, you know, ball control match for City. So Manchester City double chance under three and a half goals is plus 132 for my second best bet. I like it. I'm, I'm going to stay away from this game, but those are the directions I lead in City's favor and, and towards a lower scoring type of game. Uh, my uh, last best bet, I'm going to go to Italy or stay in Italy. Napoli, Milan, I'm going under two and a half, minus 120. Osman's back, mm-hmm. but Napoli just not clicking. We know Milan's going to play defensively. Uh, just feels like that. It's a, I feel very square picking a, an, an all Italian game to go under two and a half and it's calling it a defensive struggle. <laughs> But I, I mean, I think that's where we're at. Yep. <laughs> it's, that's the way this is set up. Minus 120, under two and a half for me. Yeah, I, I'm, that's not my play, but my play will be in that game as well, even though I do agree that's, the, that's what I would be on. I'm going to go with the Napoli plus six shots on target. Uh, six right. or more shots on target. Uh, plus 130. I know you had mentioned, I, I'll, I'll probably play the over 17 as well, um, which is plus money too of just shots. But mm-hmm. I really do think they get to six shots on target in this game. Again, the only reason I don't see this hitting is if they get like a goal early and then they get kind of scared. Like I, I, they're going to be peppering the net. And even if they do score early, maybe they're, maybe they're playing on the front foot still and they feel like they can get another one to actually just win it in regulation. Uh, yep. I, I see Napoli, again, goals, who knows? Like, you know, I don't know if they're going to turn the tie around, but I do know how they're going to play at home. They're going to come out aggressive with Oshiman back in the lineup. Uh, I think they're going to pepper shots. Manana is going to have a, a pretty busy day there in the Milan net. So over six shots on target, uh, or I'm sorry, six or more shots on target. So six actually hits this bet at plus one thirty. I feel like that price is just too good. All right. I hope you get a lot of shots on goal and none of them go in. <laughs> That's fine too. I'll, I'll have both. Exactly. I'll, I'll be playing both the 17 shots and the six shots on target uh, in this game, which could be an, we'll, we'll take the under, but it could be an exciting under based on how we basically describe mm-hmm. this game uh, overall. Um, all right, that'll do it for us. Thanks as always for listening. We'll be back middle of next week uh, to preview Arsenal City. I think we'll, we're going to try to do a show on, it'll be up the day of Arsenal City. So that morning, which is Wednesday, we've talked about how much we hate this game being you know, such a big game as a midweek game, but it is what it is. Scheduling purposes are there. So we'll be back, hopefully, to preview that and break down some of what we saw in the USA-Mexico matchup. Uh, before we go, Paul, any any Europa League spice that you like? Because there's actually some <laughs> some decent semi, uh, quarterfinal second legs there as well. My, my, my Roma squad is down to find Yeah, they're going to come back. Um, although, although, although third in Syria, I do think they will. They're at home. They, that game was a complete fluke. They missed a penalty. Uh, Feyenoord scored a, a kind of a ridiculous goal from outside the box. Like, I... I think Jose's playing mind games because he's basically like, I don't know, it's a maybe whether or not we win this game. They've done really well this season coming back home in the second leg of ties like this. The crowd is absolutely insane. It, it'll be tough because Feyenoord is a good team, but I do think yeah. I do think Roma at least get it to at least get it to added time. I have and, no, you know, I have there, no spice to add. Um, I do like though just that like all four of these matchups are all kind of like two to one favorites for one team uh, up so in the air. It just sets the table perfectly. Like somebody of these four is going to make a big comeback. There's going to be a lot of drama. So the the stage is set. I don't have a yeah, strong I mean, lead though. I mean, the Sevilla United game is interesting. I mean, United 
was cruising up 2-0, and then they had a couple injuries, and Harry Maguire comes on and mm-hmm. has a, a ridiculous header deflection goal to tie it at 2. It's a great finish. Sevilla's not a good team. Sevilla's not a good team. They're almost in the relegation zone in Spain this year, yeah. and yet here they are potentially taking down Man United, going back home with a tie uh, score on aggregate. You know, Man United plus 105, that's, that's man, that's intriguing, but I don't know who knows. Like, they're dealing with injury issues of themselves. Juve up 1-0 on Sporting Lisbon, even though Sporting Lisbon probably played better in that first leg. That's going to be in Portugal. And then the the Leverkusen game against Union St. Giloise, I think is how you pronounce that. They're kind of yeah, like the, the, the Cinderella okay, of all of these number. tournaments. Yeah. So so that'll, it'll be fun. It'll be interesting. The Europa League has been fun. It has definitely been, I mean, obviously my team is in it, so I'm excited. But uh, but the Europa League has been fun, so I'll, I'll have some bets for that as well. But um, as always, thanks to everybody for listening. Thanks to the great Paul Carr. Thanks to our producer, Stefan Anderson. Best of luck in everyone's bets, and uh, we'll catch you next week. 